We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 573 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. It is the day of the 2023 NBA Draft Lottery. Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, the 2023 NBA Draft Lottery, a.k.a. the Victor Wembanyana sweepstakes. Victor Wembanyana, the next big thing in the NBA. He's 19. He's a 7'4 French phenom who can shoot threes, has handle. He's a freak. He's a franchise changer. Ain't no team in the NBA that could use a franchise changer more than our team, right? The Wizards. Well, they have the eighth best odds to win this draft lottery. If you know your Bullet slash Wizards NBA draft lottery history, uh, you know to expect the worst, okay? The NBA draft lottery started in 1985. The Bullet slash Wizards have participated in an NBA draft lottery 22 times. The Bullet slash Wizards, over those 22 NBA draft lottery opportunities, have received a pick better than the team's pre-lottery position a mere three times. Three out of the 22 times. Yes, three out of 22. Nine times the Bullet Slash Wizards have stayed where they were. Ten times the Bullet Slash Wizards have fallen. So the Bullet Slash Wizards essentially are three, ten, and nine in NBA draft lotteries. That, my friends, is among the many reasons why I play the drop from Stephen A. Smith. The damn Washington Wizards. Yes, exactly, Stephen A. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. There is no overstating how much things would change for the Wizards if they somehow won Tuesday night's NBA draft lottery. Uh, Them winning Tuesday night's NBA draft lottery would appear to be a fantasy given uh, that uh, aforementioned Bullets slash Wizards NBA draft lottery history. The commanders being sold, however, that is not fantasy. That, my friends, is a reality. That is happening. Interesting nugget from NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and NFL.com on Monday afternoon. He said that the commander's incoming ownership, the Josh Harris Group, 
hasn't yet truly discussed changing the name of the team. Uh, Rappaport said this on the Pat McAfee show. Take a listen to this exchange between A.J. Hawk and Ian Rappaport. You think the, the new owner is going to change it eventually? Uh, I asked that to people connected to the new owner, and basically the response was that's not something that's on the table. Like, that's not something that we have discussed. Um, and I, you know, to me, it's like all names are kind of whatever. You know, it's like mm-hmm. if you use it enough, they start to sound like what the name should be. So I imagine eventually commanders will feel normal, just like eventually the Washington football team felt normal. Yeah, uh, for the record, Washington football team never felt normal. Uh, I was fine with that as a placeholder name, but uh, that to me was never a normal name. But interesting that Ian Rappaport has been told that the Josh Harris group hasn't yet truly discussed changing the name of the team. Now, that's what Ian Rappaport has been told. But do you really truly believe that at no point in this process... Josh Harris has had a conversation or two or more with one or more of his many (laughs) limited partners about the name, about the brand, and about the best path forward with the name slash brand. I have a very hard time believing that such a conversation has not taken place. Uh, Well, coming up next segment is a conversation that you are going to want to hear. Uh, I'm going to welcome on North Carolina football radio analyst Brian Simmons to talk about Commander's quarterback and former UNC quarterback Sam Howell. Now, Brian Simmons is a name that you may recognize. Uh, He was a star linebacker for Carolina. He was taken by the Cincinnati Bengals with the number 17 pick in the 1998 NFL Draft. Uh, He played for the Bengals from 1998 through 2006, then played for the New Orleans Saints in 2007. But for our purposes, Brian is going to provide us with an in-depth breakdown of Sam Howell from not just Brian's perspective as the analyst for radio broadcasts for North Carolina football games, but also from Brian's perspective of having worked as an NFL scout for seven years. Yeah, Brian Simmons was an NFL scout for seven years. So this guy is an especially good guy with whom to talk Sam Howell. Uh, Brian has a very interesting theory for why Sam fell to the fifth round of the 2022 NFL Draft. Uh, Lots of good stuff. North Carolina football radio analyst, former UNC and Bengals linebacker, and former NFL scout Brian Simmons talking Sam Howell next segment. Also on the show, we'll discuss a blowout win for the Nationals and a rather rough loss for the Orioles. Uh, The Nats pounded the New York Mets 10-3 at Nationals Park on Monday as designated hitter Joey Manessis and right fielder Lane Thomas combined for five doubles, two singles, and a walk. And as Patrick Corbin had a quality start for a fifth time in six starts. What has gotten into Patrick Corbin. This is nice to see. Uh, Meantime, the Orioles, they got ripped by the Los Angeles Angels 9-5 at Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Monday evening is the uh, ultra-sexy pitching matchup for this game. Grayson Rodriguez versus Shohei Otani uh, ended up not living up to the billing, but Otani, the batter, did very much live up to his billing. Uh, He and a five-run Angels fourth blasted a one-out three-run homer to right center field for a 7-4 Angels lead. The homer went a projected 456 feet 
per StatCast. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez got rocked in this game, eight runs in three and a third innings. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Plenty of reaction to the big news from Friday afternoon, the formal joint announcement from Commander's co-owners and co-CEOs, Dan and Tanya Snyder, and from Josh Harris on behalf of the Harris Ownership Group, proclaiming that the Snyders have entered into an agreement by which they will sell the Commanders to Harris. And we, of course, talked about this news and reacted to this news a whole lot on Monday's show, episode 572. Email from Eric, writes Eric, well said on the show, bro. The 572 connection is epic. We can see clearly now that Danny's gone. Awesome show. I look forward to the salad days in D.C. again. Uh, thank you for that, Eric. Uh, I do, too. Uh, yeah, very fitting that Monday's show was episode 572. 572. Uh, 5 and 72. The Redskins have won five NFC championships, the first of which was for the 1972 season. Maybe possibly, hopefully, uh, Josh Harris buying the team will bring us back to those glory days. Tweet from James Heller, uh, writes James, as you said on episode 572, all this new ownership team needs is some width of success on the field, and many fans will be back. Look, the defenders strung together how many wins before people went all in with them. Like Mike Singletary said, I want winners. (laughs) Thank you, James. Yes, Then San Francisco 49ers head coach Mike Singletary, October 2008, an all-time great rant at a post-game press conference about, do you remember who? Then 49ers tight end, future Redskins tight end, and Maryland product Vernon Davis. Here you go. You know what? This is how I believe, okay? I'm from the old school. I believe this. I would rather play with 10 people and just get penalized all the way until we got to do something else, rather than play with 11 when I know that right now that person is not sold out to be a part of this team. It is more about them than it is about the team. I cannot play with them, cannot win with them, cannot coach with them, can't do it. I want winners. I want people that want to win. That is an all-time classic. We all want people who want to win. Uh, The Skins slash Washington football team slash Commanders have not won enough. Hopefully, that is about to change. Uh, The Defenders have won. Uh, Didn't win their biggest game, okay? But the Defenders in this uh, third version of the XFL, the 2023 version, went 9-1 in the regular season. Had people excited, right? The Beer Snakes at Audi Field were back. Uh, And the Defenders did advance to the XFL championship game, which they did lose. Uh, An unfortunate upset loss to the Arlington Renegades, 35-26 at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas, this past Saturday night. Now, the defenders have not been like an elite team in the XFL in terms of attendance, but there has been a buzz and a fun nature and a good vibe to the defenders. And all of that is what the commanders desperately need and I believe can have. And whereas the defenders as an XFL team are probably only going to ever draw so much, the commanders as an NFL team, of course, have a much higher upside. Washington, for each of the last two regular seasons, has finished dead last in the NFL 
in terms of percent capacity for home games. Uh, The 2021 regular season, Washington had an NFL worst percent capacity for home games of just 64.3. The next worst team was the Detroit Lions at 79.9. So think about that gap, 64.3 to 79.9, a gap of 15.6 percentage points between Washington as the number 32 team and the Lions as the number 31 team. Uh, The 2022 regular season, the Commanders had an NFL worst percent capacity for home games of 85.9, a big jump from 2021, but still dead last. Uh, If you go by just average raw attendance for home games, Washington for the 2021 regular season, 52,751. Commanders for the 2022 regular season, 58,106. A lot of room to grow. And the biggest key to getting that growth, of course, is winning. But I do believe that winning will lead to growth. I am not one of these people who believe that the franchise is dead and that lost fans will never come back and that new ownership can't change much about attendance. No, uh, I think that a lot can change. Is it going to be easy? Okay, like I totally get that. But I do believe that a lot can change and a lot can get better. Uh, Speaking of the defenders, email from Jack L on a common thread between the NFL team of Washington, D.C. and the XFL team of Washington, D.C. Writes Jack, our NFL team and XFL team may wind up with the same nickname, Durs. Command Durs. Defenders. Uh, Al, great work with the podcast. Thank you. I am an every pod day listener. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Jack. Much appreciated. Maybe we are the city of the Durs when it comes to professional football. Although, uh, that would require the Commanders staying with the name Commanders, and uh, it remains to be seen if that will be happening. The name among the many things that the Josh Harris Group is going to need to evaluate. A lot of evaluating for the Josh Harris Group to do with the Commanders, just like there's a lot of evaluating to do with home and auto insurance right now. Uh, The home and auto insurance markets are messes right now. We are routinely seeing 20% increases in home and auto insurance, even when the account is clean, meaning no accidents or violations on the auto insurance and no claims on the property insurance. Uh, You right now have every reason to shop your home and auto insurance. That's why you should go with BMC Insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. You'll be put in touch with the owner and president, Matt Brooks, a loyal listener of this podcast. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Uh, BMC Insurance, it offers home, auto, and also small business insurance in Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and North Carolina. Uh, BMC Insurance is an independent insurance agency, meaning that it has many, as in dozens, of insurance carriers it works with to make sure that clients are always paying competitive rates. Uh, What's especially great about BMC Insurance is that it has relationships with its clients. Uh, BMC Insurance is a trusted advisor for your insurance needs. BMC Insurance continues to work with clients after sales. Uh, It has team members who actually shop clients' insurance every year when they renew. And BMC Insurance does this proactively so that you don't have to. BMC Insurance will save you time and money. And perhaps most telling, BMC Insurance's client retention rates historically are much higher than industry averages. When people get BMC Insurance, they stay with 
BMC Insurance. Don't get gouged on your home and auto insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. Talk to my guy, Matt Brooks, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. And BMC Insurance does offer small business insurance. So if you're looking for general liability, workers' comp, or commercial auto insurance, BMC Insurance can help. Visit insurancebmc.com. That's insurancebmc.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, as much as the sale of the Commanders is the number one item with the team right now, the talk about the man who the team is positioning to be its starting quarterback for this coming season, Sam Howell, isn't going away. Uh, Not that Twitter is the ultimate judge of anything, but pretty much every day on Twitter, there is debating and there is arguing regarding Sam Howell. What is he? What isn't he? What can he be? What can't he be? Uh, why truly did he fall to the fifth round of the 2022 NFL Draft? Can he be a franchise quarterback? How strong is his arm? <laughs> How good of a runner is he? And on and on and on and on it goes. Uh, I, on April 24th, put out a Sam Howell tweet, uh, for which I, this past Sunday morning, <laughs> was still getting comments. Uh, the tweet had to do with Final college season rushing stats with sacks removed for Sam Howell and Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson, who the Indianapolis Colts took with the number four overall pick in the 2023 draft. Uh, Why college football includes sacks in quarterback rushing stats, I will never know. I can't stand that. But anyway, uh, Anthony Richardson's final college season rushing stats with sacks removed, 97 carries for 713 yards and nine touchdowns. Sam Howell's final college season rushing stats with sacks removed, 127 carries for 1,072 yards and 11 touchdowns. And my point with the tweet wasn't to say that Sam is a better runner than Richardson is or is more talented than Richardson is. My point was that Sam Howell was quite productive for North Carolina as a ball carrier. And I very much think that his mobility doesn't get enough attention and could be a big-time asset to the Commanders this coming season, especially with Eric Bieniemy as the team's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator. But uh, that tweet <laughs> that I put out both made people happy and infuriated people. Uh, but that's how things are right now with Sam Howell. Isn't it amazing how virtually every Washington quarterback now becomes a polarizing figure? Right? Robert Griffin III, polarizing figure. Kirk Cousins, polarizing figure. Dwayne Haskins, polarizing figure. Taylor Heineke, polarizing figure. Carson Wentz, polarizing figure. And now Sam Howell, polarizing figure. All polarizing to varying degrees. Anyway, how about we talk to someone who knows and understands Sam Howell exceptionally well. Uh, I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast, North Carolina football radio analyst, Brian Simmons. Uh, Brian Simmons is a member of both the North Carolina Football Ring of Honor and the Cincinnati Bengals 50th anniversary team. He was a linebacker at Carolina from 1995 through 1997. He was taken 
by the Bengals with the number 17 pick in the 1998 NFL Draft. He played for the Bengals from 1998 through 2006, and then for the New Orleans Saints in 2007, and Brian worked as an NFL scout for seven years. So you can follow Brian on Twitter, at Coach B. Sims, as he also is the head football coach for Windermere Prep in Florida. Hey, Brian, how are you? Man, it's good to talk to you, and I need to package you up and bring you with me everywhere I go so I could just have you do that. <laughs> well, that is uh, quite the resume that you've put together, so a salute to you. But yeah, a lot of Sam Howell conversation in these parts these days. Uh, the commander's starting quarterback job for this coming season is Sam's to lose. Uh, now, he's not being handed the job. Head coach Rod Rivera has said that Sam will have to compete with Jacoby Brissett for the job, but clearly the idea is for Sam to be the QB1. Just to get us going here, uh, what comes to mind when you think about Sam Howell? Man, I, I love Sam as a quarterback from day one. Um, you know, you know when you start talking about quarterbacks, especially at that level, you know, everybody get enamored with arm strength, which is important, and accuracy is important, and anticipation, all three of those things are important. But what a quarterback better be if he's going to be a franchise quarterback, he better be tough, and he better be smart. And Sam has all those attributes. He has all five of them. And he was that way from day one. You know, they played uh, South Carolina his first game. Uh, they were down in the fourth quarter. They needed a touchdown drive to uh, win the game. And Sam took him down the field. He just did that for three years. And, uh, you know, going into the draft, I thought someone would take him in the second round, maybe. Um, when he went, to, when he lasted to the fifth, I was shocked. And, uh, but, when he lasted to the fifth and he got picked by the commanders, I said to myself, that's the perfect spot. Because obviously, if you're going to go that late in the draft, you want to go to a team that's going to give you an opportunity to compete as the starter. Um, and, and that's basically what happened with Sam. And he'll be ready. He'll do all the things uh, in the classroom and practice to prepare himself to be a starting NFL quarterback. And not just be a starter because he's the guy that trots out there, but to be a guy that's going to go out there and give you a chance to win. Um, the game will never get too big for him. He doesn't get rattled. He's tough. Uh, he throws the ball with accuracy. He throws the ball with anticipation. And obviously, he'll have to learn some things at the NFL level. But this guy's been a starter from day one when he walked on campus. So he's seen a lot of football. He understands how to read coverages. And, and he's been a very productive player over the three years that he was at the University of North Carolina. Interesting that you say that you thought that Sam Howell would go in the second round of the 2022 draft. Commander's insider John Keim of ESPN in a piece that came out two Saturdays ago, May 6th, revealed that the Commanders did have a consensus second round grade on Sam for the 2022 draft. Uh, like you said, it was odd that Sam fell to the fifth round. You worked as an NFL scout for 70 years. Why do you think that Sam fell to the fifth round in that 2022 draft? I don't know. I mean, it, you know, when I was scouting, it was this thing that usually if, if a guy doesn't go in the second, it's not a, uh, abnormal for him to start dropping. And I think part of that is because in the third round, fourth round, if you're drafting a guy who's not going to be your starter, well, guess what? If he plays quarterback, he's not going to be able to be your third corner. He's not going to be a, a pass rush for you. 
So really all he's doing if he's a backup quarterback is sitting the bench, right? So if you take a position guy, at least he helps you out on special teams. He can be your fourth corner. He could be your third end. He can, you know what I mean? He has some other value. And we did a uh, kind of a project that those guys seem to have fall, you know, into the fourth and fifth round. Um, but with Sam, I, I, for me, from a talent standpoint, from an experience standpoint, I don't get why he failed the way he did. Um, I'm happy for him that he fell in the right situation because you can't trade where you get drafted to. You can only hope for wherever you go that it's the good spot. And, and for me, I think it's too, I think it's a spot that was, uh, that's going to be matched up for him well. And I think the commanders and the fans, I think they're going to be happy with what they see out of Sam. Obviously, he ain't, he's not going to be a finished product this year, but I think they're going to see enough good stuff out of him to get excited. Uh, you already have answered this to a point, but having worked as an NFL scout, what do you think your scouting report on Sam Howell would have been had you scouted him for an NFL team? Listen, I, I told you I would. I would probably, and listen, and I feel good about talking about him as if I was a scout because I watched almost every single game live. I'm only missed, I think, over his career, maybe one or two games live. And if I didn't, I watched every single game on tape. So I, I think I've done enough work on him to understand what he is. Generally, if you ask that question and I hadn't done the work on a player, I wouldn't say really. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but with him, I feel I feel comfortable. I mean, I think I gave you the rundown. I mean, he's accurate. He's tough. He throws with anticipation. His last year, I think he kind of stressed a little bit. And to be honest with you, I think they asked him to do too much in too many situations. And he was trying to be he was trying to do an offensive line didn't play really well his last year. Um, so I'm not making excuses for it, but I just think he kind of pressed and caught and, and with every single throw, he tried to, you know, go for the home runs. And his last year, what got him in trouble, it wasn't his decision-making in the pocket. It was once he tried to extend plays, sometimes he tried to make plays that wasn't there. And he has to realize sometimes the right play is just getting rid of the football, right? Yeah. And not and, and avoiding a catastrophic play. He didn't do that a whole lot, but when his mistakes happened, it generally was outside of the pocket where he just tried to make something out of nothing. And sometimes you got to realize on a play, it ain't anything that just get to the next snap. We're talking Sam Howell with North Carolina football radio analyst Brian Simmons. Uh, as you know, offense in the NFL has changed so much over the last, say, 15 years, and more and more, we are seeing concepts from college football in the NFL. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that that's great. Is there a specific style of offense that you think is most conducive to maximizing Sam Howell? I, I don't. I mean, obviously, with him at North Carolina, he was, his last year, he was very productive with his legs. Like, it, it was surprising how productive. He rushed for over a 1,000 yards, honestly, when, you know, but when you back out the sacks which they do in college then that number you know went back down but he actually gained over a thousand yards rushing um he accounted for over 35 touchdowns every single year that he played um you know you, he's not a guy that you want to do a whole lot of design quarterback run for at that level um but he can do some of it and enough of it to keep defenses honest you know that he will pull it um uh, but he can read defenses he can throw the ball in the windows he can get it to every blade of grass on the field um i think you know what they do he'll, he'll be to in my opinion he'll be the most talented quarterback the commanders have had in a couple of years 
I don't disagree with you. Uh, Sam Howell's physical traits are apparent. Strong arm, a quality runner, a tough physical runner. He breaks tackles. Uh, That's rare for a quarterback. It it isn't, but he's going to have to calm that down a little bit, his style of running at that level. You know, um, he's not going to be able to take some of the shots that he took at Carolina. Um, So I wouldn't say that's his thing, but but I said he's a tough guy. Like if you're going to be a starting quarterback and you're going to be a good quarterback in the NFL, you got to be tough and you got to be smart. You know, obviously you have to have a certain level of arm strength and you got to be accurate in anticipation. But even if you have those talented, the arm talent and you're not smart and you're not tough, you're not going to make it. You know, you will stay around as a backup, but you're not going to make it as a starting quarterback in that league. With the arm strength, uh, Sam Howell has a strong arm. Of course, there's more to throwing a good deep ball than having a strong arm. What's your evaluation of Sam as a deep ball thrower? He has a beautiful touch on the deep ball. Like He can throw the deep ball. He throws it with anticipation. He throws it with accuracy. Um, he has a very good deep ball. And I think you know if you guys have some receivers that can stretch the field, he's going to get productive in that deep ball game for you. Well, the Commanders have uh, one receiver in particular who you know well, Deami Brown, 2021 third-round pick out of North Carolina. Uh, he potentially could benefit from Sam Howell as the team's QB1. In terms of accuracy, you've hit on this a bit already, but uh, you do find Sam to be an accurate passer? Absolutely. Absolutely. And at all levels, at the short, intermediate, and, and deep ball. Um, you know, some guys, you know, they, they, they're accurate in one place, but not necessarily in the other. He is accurate across the field. And he could throw the ball outside the hashes. He could throw the ball outside the numbers. Uh, he can go from the far hash to the far number. Um, he's accurate at every level. And he could throw the ball on the move outside the pocket. So, you know, like I say, we, I know if somebody's sitting here listening to it, and it's like, man, I don't, they're not describing a fifth round, you know, quarterback. And, and I'm telling you, I was shocked when he lasted to the fifth round. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, your school, North Carolina, has become a quarterback you. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky, right? Number two overall pick in the 2017 draft. Uh, we, of course, are talking Sam Howell. Uh, Drake May is expected to be a top five pick in the 2024 draft. Uh, what's going on in Chapel Hill? Uh, the Tar Heels are excelling at the quarterback position. They, they are. It's, you know, it's part system uh, and it's part good recruiting. They, they recruited three really good quarterbacks um, and then they've been very talented at the skill position also. So, you know, a combination of those three things. But um, listen, in terms of ability, uh, intangibles, uh, here's the thing at that level, I'll say the one thing that I think that Sam will need to work on is being more forceful and more vocal as a leader. You know, he, he that that's not necessarily his personality. That's not necessarily his thing. But at that level, you have to be that guy. And uh, I think he he's smart enough to understand that he has good awareness and he'll work on that. And even though it may not come natural, he's not afraid of that role. That's just not his personality. Uh, Sam Howell was North Carolina starting quarterback for three seasons, 2019 through 2021. His 2019 true freshman season was terrific. Was his success from the get-go anticipated? If I, you know, I think people thought he was going to be a good quarterback, but I think anybody who who says they knew he was going to be as good as he was early on would not be telling you the truth. You know, um, and both things can be true. You could think he was going to be a really good quarterback, but also be surprised by how well he played as a freshman. 
And you know, like I say, the first game he played against was South Carolina, SEC opponent. And he was, what, two months from graduating high school. And when I tell you they got down, and there was not a single moment in that game that it got big for him. Um, he, he did start the game like it was too big for him. The middle of the game, it wasn't too big for him. And at the end, when they needed to drive to go up and win the football game, it wasn't too big for him. All he did was let his team down to score points to win the football game. And that's the way he operated for three years. Never got in a moment where the game was too big for him. Just stayed calm just kept firing and he's going and he's a confident guy like he's not going to get shook by interception he's not going to stop firing he's not going to get trigger shot he's just going to go out there and let it go and play football uh, the commanders list sam howell as being 6-1 uh he's not tall for a quarterback uh, does height for a quarterback matter in your opinion uh, you, I mean, you, you've, we've seen enough quarterbacks here in the, in, in, you know, over the last five years, especially to say it doesn't matter. Listen, he's not 5'11 either, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know what he measured at, what, 6'1 maybe, um, six foot. He's tall enough. I played with Drew Brees my last year in New Orleans, not calling him Drew Brees, but Drew Brees wasn't, um, you know, he wasn't a seven footer. Uh, it's a bunch of guys that's very productive in the NFL. The thing about height is, if, if you have pocket mobility and you can slide and, you know, and, and, and find the windows, uh, because the windows are really horizontal. They're not vertical windows. So he's smart enough to do that. He has the athleticism to do that. He has the pocket awareness to be able to do that. He'll be just fine with that. So you played for the Bengals from 1998 through 2006. The commanders have Ken Zampezi as their senior offensive advisor and game management coach. He was the Bengals quarterbacks coach from 2003 through 2015, then was uh, the Bengals offensive coordinator for the 2016 season and uh, a small portion of the 2017 season. Do you know Ken Zampezi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were in Cincinnati together. Okay, yeah. What do you think about Ken Zampezi and what he could mean for Sam Howell? I like him. Really good football coach. He's, he, he'll be really good for Sam uh, because personality-wise, they're very similar. You know, kind of straight line. Uh, don't get too rattled. Uh, kind of stays poised the whole time. But a, just a really good, smart football player who's passionate about the game. Who is the best quarterback you played with? Uh, I would assume the answer is Carson Palmer or Drew Brees. Yeah, I mean, you would, you would have to say Drew Brees. I mean, most guys don't, not fortunate enough to play with multiple guys that's going to be in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, by that fact, Drew Brees will be a Hall of Famer. I would have to say Drew Brees. Last one for you, Drake May. Uh, excellent 2022 redshirt freshman season as the successor to Sam Howell as North Carolina's QB1. Uh, Drake May is being viewed as the number two, maybe even number one quarterback for the 2024 draft. What jumps out at you about him? Yeah, he is he is, he is athletic and more athletic than people realize. He's faster than people realize. He's 6'5", 230. Uh, throws the deep ball really well. He's accurate. He can get out of trouble. Uh, he can throw the ball off the mound. He can throw the ball if he has to, you know, get out of the pocket. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a total package. You know, you can take, you can have the rest of the country and I'll take Drake May right now. Um, and I may be wrong, but I'll, I'll, I'll feel pretty good about the guy that I have. Yeah, a lot to like with him for sure. Uh, North Carolina football radio analyst Brian Simmons, excellent perspective on Sam Howell and more. Brian, thanks a lot for your time. All the best. I appreciate it and good to be on with you. 
All right, hope that you enjoyed what Brian Simmons had to say about Sam Howell. If you did enjoy what Brian Simmons had to say about Sam Howell, and if you have like 20 seconds, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast. Uh, you on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review doesn't have to be long, can be just a sentence or two, but the ratings and the reviews help out the podcast a lot. And so thank you very much for doing them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, one of the worst things about the Nationals' oh-so-bad 2022 season was how bad they were in intra-division games. Uh, the Nats in the 2022 regular season won a major league worst 55 and 107, but included in that mix was the Nats in National League East games going a horrendous 17 and 59. Think about that, 17 and 59. Uh, MLB teams now are playing fewer intra-division games in regular seasons, but the Nats now in this 2023 regular season in NL East games are 5-5. Five and five. Uh, Small sample size, yes, but a sign of progress for our rebuilding Nats, perhaps. Uh, the Nats ripped an NL East opponent, the New York Mets, 10-3 at Nationals Park on Monday to get a split of a four-game series. Nats now are 18-23, and 23, including 14-12 and 12 since the 4-11 start. Uh, the Nats over the first three games of this series totaled just seven runs, but the Nats in game four of the series scored 10 runs. Uh, the Nats on Monday put on quite 
The offensive display, 10 runs, 15 hits, which consisted of a home run, a triple, five doubles, and eight singles. Uh, the Nats worked two walks. The Nats went five for 12 with runners in scoring position. Uh, the boys, they were hitting on Monday. I'm proud of the boys. Yes, sir. Uh, Nats manager, Davey Martinez, his boys, uh, they were raking on Monday. Two Nats each got on base four times, Joey Manessis and Lane Thomas. Uh, Manessis was the Nats starting DH and number three batter. He had four different RBI hits in this game. Uh, he went four for five with three RBI doubles and an RBI infield single. Uh, Manessis in the Nats one run first, a one out RBI double to left field for a one nothing Nats lead. Manessis in the Nats two run third, a one out RBI double to left field for a two one Nats lead. Manessis in the Nats two run sixth, a two out RBI infield single on a swinging bunt toward third base for an eight two Nats lead. And Manessis in the Nats one run eighth, a two out first pitch opposite field RBI double off the right center field warning track for a ten two Nats lead. Uh, Joey Manessis, over the four games in this series, seven for 17 with three doubles, four singles, a walk, and six RBI. He this season has not hit for much power, but he on Monday hit for power. Three RBI doubles to go with the uh, RBI infield single. Here was Davey Martinez during his postgame press conference on Monday evening on Joey Manessis, uh, beginning with a question from my co-host of the Nats Chat Podcast, Nats Insider, Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com. Starting to see Joey hit a week or two ago. Uh, now you're starting to see a little more power with doubles, down pulling the ball more. Is this like a natural progression? Yeah, yeah. The big, you know, the big. He's working really hard on getting, getting his foot down, getting ready on time, being a little bit earlier, hitting the ball out front uh, a, a lot better. Um, so um, he's not getting getting beat as often. So you know that's a great sign. So um, today he squared some balls up, and uh, you know, like you said, Mark, I mean, he was able to pull the ball a little bit better. Last year, he did a really good job elevating breaking pitches, off-speed pitches. This year, he's had a lot of trouble with that. Um, so how encouraging was it to see him do that twice? The oh, first double was I mean, it, like I said, it, it's good. But he, you know, he's putting the time with, with Darnell and Six in the cage, trying to get ready earlier. I mean, that, that's the key. When you should get ready early, he can get the balls out front, especially the breaking balls. Um, today was a good day for him. Yes, it was. Uh, also, Lane Thomas, the man known as the Lane Train. Uh, he on Monday as the Nats starting right fielder and number one batter, three for four with two doubles, a single and a walk. Uh, Thomas in the Nats one run first, a first pitch leadoff double to the left center field gap. Thomas in the Nats two run third, a one out full count single to center field despite having been down to the count at 1.12. Thomas in the Nats two run fourth, drew a two out walk. And Thomas in the Nats two run sixth, a one out double off the left field warning track. Uh, Lane Thomas for this 2023 regular season, an on-base percentage of 343. That's quite good. Uh, also good on Monday, C.J. Abrams. Uh, he is an at starting shortstop and number nine batter, two for four with a solo homer, a single, and a stolen base that led to a run. Uh, Abrams in the Nats, two-run fourth, reached base via a one-out fielder's choice grounder, and then had a stolen base that forced a run-scoring throwing error by the Mets catcher, Francisco Alvarez. Uh, Abrams in the Nats, two-run sixth, a one-out first pitch solo homer to the second deck in right field for a 7-2 Nats lead. Uh, the homer went a projected 404 feet per stat cast. And Abrams in the Nats, one-run eighth, a leadoff single, 
to right center field. Uh, Abrams, over the final three games of this series, six for 12 with two home runs, an RBI double, two RBI singles, and another single. And he had a stolen base. Now, Abrams on Monday did have a bad moment in the field uh, as he forgot or didn't know how many outs there were. (laughs) That's a problem. Uh, Okay, Uh, we saw this via him not trying for a double play when he should have. But, you know, Abrams' defense isn't the concern. His hitting has been the concern, and his hitting has been better lately. Very encouraging. Uh, Additionally, I want to highlight Luis Garcia. So just as Lane Thomas has settled into being the Nats' regular number one batter, Garcia has settled into being the Nats' regular number two batter. And a big reason for this is that he's now hitting lefties. Uh, Garcia on Monday as the Nats' starting second baseman and number two batter, two for five with an RBI single and another single. And each single came off the Mets' lefty starter, David Peterson. Uh, Garcia in the Nats' two-run third, a one-out opposite field single to left field on a 1-2 pitch from Peterson. Uh, Garcia in the Nats' two-run fourth had a two-out opposite field RBI single through the left side of the infield on another 1-2 pitch from Peterson for a 5-1 Nats lead. Now, Garcia did then get picked off and tagged out in a rundown for the third out. But Luis Garcia now in this 2023 regular season against lefties has an OPS of 1,007. Uh, He, in the 2022 regular season against lefties, had an OPS of just 577. Big-time improvement, at least so far. Speaking of improvement, uh, dare I say, might I say that we are seeing an improved Patrick Corbin. Uh, He off his three consecutive bad seasons, including two consecutive horrendous seasons, was solid once again. Corbin, in this 10-3 win over the Mets at Nationals Park on Monday, had a quality start for the fifth time in six starts. Uh, A quality start is defined as no more than three earned runs in no fewer than six innings. Corbin on Monday, two runs in six innings. He gave up eight hits, a double, and seven singles. He issued just one walk. He did have just one strikeout. He certainly was not dominant, but he was effective. Uh, He threw 97 pitches, 61 strikes, versus 36 balls, uh, got into some trouble in the top of the second, during which he allowed a run via allowing four consecutive Mets batters to reach base after retiring the Mets' first two batters in the inning. Corbin gave up three consecutive two-out singles, then issued a two-out walk of Francisco Alvarez, who did then get back-picked at first base by catcher Kate Ruiz with the bases loaded for the third out. Uh, also in the inning was a two-out throwing error by Ruiz uh, to steal a second base by Starling Marte. So Ruiz atoned for the air with the back pick, but nice job, Patrick Corbin. Uh, David Martinez during his postgame press conference on Monday evening on Patrick Corbin. He's attacking the strike zone. You know, what, what I like to, you know, he's using his changeups very, very effectively, and I think it's helping him because now they can't just sit on the balls in. Um, uh, so it's helping his slider, it's helping his fastball. You know, when he, when he throws it in, his two-seamer. Um, so, you know, there's a, that's another weapon that he has that, that they have to be aware of. Yeah, now Patrick Corbin for this regular season over nine starts does have an ERA of 465, okay? I mean, you know, still not good. But he over three starts in this month of May has an ERA of just 284 and a whip of just 105. He is pitching well. A solid game for the Nats bullpen in this blowout win on Monday. Uh, Three Nats relievers combined to allow one run in three innings. Uh, Andres Machado, a scoreless top of the seventh. Uh, Carl Edwards Jr., a perfect top of the eighth. Boy, did he need that. And uh, Hobie Harris allowed a run in the top of the ninth. 
Uh, also on Monday with some Nats news, uh, Corey Dickerson is back. The Nats on Monday returned from rehab and reinstated outfielder Corey Dickerson from the 10-day injured list. He had been on that since April 2nd due to a left calf strain that he suffered in his first regular season start for the Nats. Uh, 7-1 loss to the Atlanta Braves at Nationals Park on April 1st. Uh, the corresponding roster move to the Nats reinstating Dickerson was them optioning infielder slash outfielder Jake Alou back to Rochester. Uh, the Nats the previous Monday, May 8th, recalled Alou from Rochester. Uh, center fielder Victor Robles remains on the 10-day IL with back spasms. So for now, it would appear that Alex Cole is an at center fielder and Dickerson, Stone Garrett, and perhaps Ildemaro Vargas will share time in left field. But things could get interesting once uh, Robles comes off the 10-day IL. Uh, also, a new top 100 prospects list from MLB Pipeline is out. The Nats have five of the top 100 prospects in baseball, including a top 10 prospect. Uh, the Nats' five top 100 prospects are outfielder James Wood, number eight, uh, outfielder Robert Hassel the third, number 47, uh, outfielder Elijah Green, number 65, pitcher Cade Cavalli, number 79, and third baseman slash shortstop Brady House, number 94. Wood and Hassel were acquired by the Nats via the uh, mega trade of outfielder Juan Soto and first baseman Josh Bell to the San Diego Padres last August 2nd. Green, Cavalli, and House were all first-round picks by the Nats. Uh, Cavalli in 2020, House in 2021, and Green in 2022. Next up for the Nats, a three-game series at the Miami Marlins. Uh, game one, Tuesday evening at 6.40, Josiah Gray will be the Nats' starting pitcher. Game two, Wednesday evening at 6.40, Mackenzie Gore will be the Nats' starting pitcher. And game three, Thursday afternoon at 1.10, Trevor Williams will be the Nats' starting pitcher. So we on Monday evening at Oriole Park at Camden Yards had a marquee pitching matchup for game one of a four-game series between the Orioles and Los Angeles Angels. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez versus Shohei Otani. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez, the man known as Grayrod, he per MLB Pipeline is the number six overall prospect in baseball and is the number one pitching prospect in baseball. And Shohei Otani, uh, maybe the single biggest star in baseball, the modern-day Babe Ruth as Otani both pitches and serves as a DH and excels at both spots. Uh, well, neither guy on Monday evening pitched all that well, but uh, Grayrod especially struggled. It was a great day for Grayrod, and the O's lost 9-5. Uh, they fell to 26-15. and uh, That is still the second-best record in the American League. So the O's took Grayson Rodriguez with the number 11 overall pick in the 2018 MLB draft out of a high school in Texas. They, this past March 27th, optioned him to AAA Norfolk off him having had a terrible exhibition season. But the O's on April 5th recalled Rodriguez from AAA Norfolk and the results for him at the major league level have been very mixed. Uh, he in this 2023 regular season at the major league level now has made eight starts. He in four of those starts has allowed a total of just four runs, but he in the other four starts has allowed a total of 23 runs. And Grayson Rodriguez on Monday evening got shellacked. Uh, eight runs in three and a third innings. He gave up nine hits, two homers, two doubles, and five singles. Uh, he issued three walks. He recorded three strikeouts. He over his three and a third innings through 79 pitches, 47 strikes, 
versus 32 bowls. But nothing was worse than the absolute moonshot by Shohei Otani off Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, Shohei Otani in a five-run Angels fourth smashed a one-out three-run homer to right center field for a 7-4 Angels lead. The homer went a projected 456 feet per stat cast. Yeah, 456 feet. Otani on Monday evening as the Angels starting pitcher and starting DH and number three batter. Again, modern day Babe Ruth got on base five times, okay? He was the starting pitcher and the number three batter, and he got on base five times. He went four for five with that three-run homer, a triple, two singles, and a walk. Uh, The guy is incredible. Uh, But yeah, Grayson Rodriguez, he on Monday evening got humbled big time. He over his eight major league starts this regular season now has an ERA of 657. Uh, Here was O's manager Brandon Hyde during his postgame press conference on Monday night on Grayson Rodriguez. Well, I thought he had a really good first inning and then um, it was a pitch away from getting out of that second. Just a poor 0-2 pitch there to Urshela. Uh, after a couple of swing and misses on sliders, and he threw a changeup that just uh, not the right location there. And, um, and then the fourth inning just steam, rum, steam rolled on him a little bit. Just for me, um, when he threw his fastball, it was middle part of the plate. Um, and just had a tough time locating tonight. Yes, he did. Uh, the Orioles' bullpen on Monday evening was good. Uh, five Orioles relievers combined to allow just one run in five and two-thirds innings. The Orioles' offense on Monday evening was mixed. Uh, the O's totaled just six hits and two walks, although three of the hits were home runs off Angels starter Shohei Otani, uh, who allowed five runs in seven innings. Uh, the O's did get to Otani. Uh, second baseman Adam Frazier, a two-out, two-run homer in a two-run second. First baseman Anthony Santander, a two-out, two-run homer in a two-run third. And center fielder Cedric Mullins, a two-out solo homer in a one-run fifth. Uh, Santander also had a single. He is having a really good month of May. Santander for this month of May, an on-base percentage of 421 and a slugging percentage of 667. Here was Brandon Hyde during his post-game press conference on Monday night on how the O's overall dealt with the great Shohei Otani. Well, he's one of the best players on the planet. So, you know, for me, I thought we scored five runs off him um, and a few homers. You know, I thought their bats were as good as you could be. Um, we didn't get a ton of hits, but scored up three balls and put him over the fence. Um, you got to pitch to him better than we did tonight. Yes, you do. Uh, but also with the O's, another fine showing in a top 100 prospects list. Uh, Our last segment talked about the new top 100 prospects list from MLB Pipeline from a Nationals perspective. Well, the O's per that list have eight of the top 100 prospects in baseball, including two of the top six prospects in the sport. Shortstop Jackson Holiday, number three. Pitcher Grayson Rodriguez, number six. Outfielder Colton Kowser, number 31. Infielder Jordan Westberg, number 52. Outfielder Heston Kerstad, number 53. Pitcher D.L. Hall, number 83. Shortstop slash second baseman Joey Ortiz, number 84. And second baseman slash outfielder Connor Norby, number 89. How about that? The O's per MLB pipeline with two of the top six, five of the top 53, and eight of the top 89 prospects 
in baseball. You cannot say enough good things about the job that O's executive vice president and general manager Mike Elias is doing. Game two against the Angels is on Tuesday evening at 6.35. Dean Kramer will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday's show, episode 574, will include a lot for you on the Commanders. Also, I'll talk Nationals and Orioles. And that's on Tuesday evening at 640. Have game one of a three-game series at the Miami Marlins. The O's on Tuesday evening at 635. Have game two of a four-game series against the Los Angeles Angels at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Right now, that person is not sold out to be a part of this team. It is more about them than it is about the team. I cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. I want winners. I want people that want to win.